Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode. We'll probably cover a little bit of the Baylor game this week, but try to stick with the Iowa State preview as much as we can. I mean, if, if, if we're to take the, the advice of David Smoke that we have a game this weekend, so let's stop talking about last weekend. Right, and we've got to take responsibility for what happened on the field somehow. Because I, I was a part of that. I was. I I actually threw the flag on, on or the didn't, fumble. Or didn't throw the flag. <laughs> right. On the holding in the end zone, which would have been a safety. Yeah, no big deal. But Or called Denzel Mims out of bounds, which he was. Or the catch, the throw to TJ Vasher is incomplete. Which or the throw I think it was to the sideline as intentional grounding as it was originally called because that was probably the closest thing to being a legitimate call, and they called it back. They yeah, said, no, it wasn't. It's was like I thought, okay. oh my gosh, I can't believe I can't believe Duffy did that. There's no one over there threw it from the. Anyway, we're kind of going a little bit too fast. Uh, before we get to our official football <laughs> segment, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, give us a follow at twenty three personnel. Or you can follow Spencer at punts suck, or you can follow me at Michael underscore LBK. And um, I'm thinking with that, you want to just roll into some football? Let's talk about some football. He is back to pass pressured immediately, kind of flings it up there. Welker takes it at the 11. He's going to try to get to the right sideline, breaks the tackle. He's got running room at the 30, the 35-40. He's the midfield, the 45-40. He may go. 25, 10, touchdown, Red Raiders. Davis Webb, the freshman, screen. Underneath Derek Moore, breaks the tackle, still running. Up the sideline, turns on the juice, touchdown. So Harold in the shotgun from the 28. The throw goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh, he plays. Oh, he's the one. Touchdown, Red Raiders. Unbelievable. Touchdown, Red Raiders. Oh, Red Raiders. Michael Crabtree has done it. Let the scoring begin. So I think, let's just let's go back to Baylor for a second. Okay, because we, we got a little bit of cleanup to do. Um, I can't remember if this came out yesterday or if it came out Sunday. But the Big 12, or Kirby Hocutt indicated that the Big 12 admitted that the illegal snap call was the wrong call. It should have been called a fumble. Yeah, it was on Sunday. Does that help? No, it actually hurts. <laughs> it confirms our, our suspicions that 
some Big 12 officials are just straight trash. Um, <laughs> coach, head coach Matt Wells also submitted a play, the second play of the Baylor drive, the last Baylor drive in, in regulation, and said, was that a hold? As of yesterday's press conference, he said he hadn't heard back yet. Um, and then and there was an article that I read that said the Big 12's co-leader of officiating, whatever his name was, Berta, Bruta, I don't know, said that the Big 12 will not make any public comments on these kind of things. Um, it's inappropriate for coaches or it, schools to make uh, comments about it. Um, but that w- we probably wouldn't hear the end, like the final say on whether or not that second play on Baylor's last drive where Eli Howard was held if that was right. actually a holding call because it was it occurred in the end zone had it been called a hold you know just a few feet from the head official the white hat um, would have been a safety against Baylor two points for Texas Tech and Texas Tech would have gotten possession back of the ball with about a minute ish left on the clock yeah up by five well so um, was was that was he basically saying that what Hokut said or Hokut should not have made any sort of public kind of was he kind of admonishing him after the fact for doing that? Yeah, but he he didn't he didn't say that specifically. Sure. He just said that the Big Twelve doesn't doesn't comment on this and won't comment on it publicly. Yeah. And it's advised its member institutions to do the same. Yeah, it it doesn't help the scheme of things, um obviously. And Really, the one that everyone's hung up on is the quote-unquote illegal snap because that was just completely an outright fabrication. I'm not even sure what you see there that makes you think that that was an illegal snap. Um, but the, the, the weird thing is, is it came from a guy that had no vision of the play. No, he was on the sideline. So the two guys that would have seen movement or not movement, well, three really, if you consider the guy in the middle of the field and the defense – although he probably didn't have a good good angle on it. You got two guys behind the offensive line of scrimmage, the offensive line looking forward. Neither of them said anything. And I, I don't, I'd have to go back and listen to the play. Um, a lot of tech fans are saying that the whistle and or flag didn't come out until after Texas Tech had recovered the ball. I, I'm there, fairly there, certain that the flag didn't, but I'm not sure about the whistle. The, there was a Baylor fan that said, obviously you haven't watched the game with sound on because the, the whistle was almost immediate. Well, I, yeah, but I so can't argue that. Recovery, so I, I can't I argue that because I, I don't know. That very well could be it. I don't remember that. All the videos I've seen are people taking video of their TV and they have like their own commentary running over it. Um, anyway, there's lots of salty Baylor fans all talking about how great Charlie Brewer is. I was like, great quarterback doesn't throw three interceptions in a game. Yeah, three. I mean, a great sure. quarterback doesn't need to, like, he doesn't have to lead a game tying drive against a three and two Texas Tech at home as a ranked team. Um, and back to his, his interceptions, it's not like they were tipped passes that just kind of got lucky like a couple of them he threw into the defense oh yeah especially like, the one in the end zone they just threw the right one at us. the one to to rambo the first one never even saw him like and rambo's a big dude he's like six five and then the third one in the end zone was like that was just a 
like he forced that throw. The dude was double covered. Mm-hmm. He forced the throw and just like, well, there's two tech guys and didn't one. throw it high. Didn't I? Don't even know what the plan was there. If he was trying to put it to where only his receiver could get it, it was going to have to physically go through at least two of our DBs. Yeah. Anyways, I, I'm 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 just saying like Charlie Brewer is not a great quarterback. Um, and we'll see how good it, Baylor is down the road because it. Well, it, I haven't it, been super impressed. If you so listen far. to the, the solid verbal, Ty Hillbrand said after. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. After a six no start, we'll know what the, what they are in about six weeks. Yeah, I I did catch that. I, I listened to that on the way home from work today. And well, so I, I I tweeted that and and he actually responded. He, he said did. he said I get the joke, but their schedule like really ramps up here. I was like, well, and he's right. It's, no, I get it. There, there's the teams three through eight in the Big Twelve fairly nebulous. Like I go. Baylor's probably going to get the benefit of the doubt as being 6-0 and to be number three. They may leapfrog, leapfrog Texas at some point, although I don't think like they pass the same eye test. I think visually you're still going to say Baylor's probably the third best team despite them having a better record than Texas. Um, and we'll see what they do this weekend against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's coming off a bye week after getting beat in Lubbock that they didn't see coming. Nobody mm-hmm. saw coming. I think they're going to be ready to play uh, for sure. And Baylor, they kind of remind me of 2013 Texas Tech. Started off, we you know, Tech started off 7-0 and that year. Kingsbury's first year, everybody was riding really high. And then the meat of the schedule hit. And that was that. Yeah. And... It, it's just, again, one of those things where, like, because nobody's really sure of who anybody is except for Oklahoma, Texas, and Kansas. Oklahoma, oh, my gosh. Um, like, it's weird to say week eight, like, I really don't know who Texas Tech is or I really don't know who Iowa State is or Kansas State or TCU, although I, I think we're pretty set on them struggling mightily on offense. Um, not sure how bad West Virginia is because they've shown flashes have been pretty good. Um, does Texas Tech figure it out and have a winning record the last six games? Can they go five and one? It's yeah. I mean, they, they have a chance. It's <laughs> it's realistic. It's realistic now. Even two weeks, three weeks ago, well, two weeks ago, I wouldn't have thought that. No, I wouldn't have thought that at this point. You'd be saying, "Well, five and one is realistic. Four and two is maybe not expected, but kind of what you would uh, 
well, no, it's kind of expected. That's yeah. the word. Uh, and speaking of West Virginia, I wanted to, I kind of wanted to jump into this Iowa State deal a little bit. Um, you know, they're four and two on the year, two and one in Big Twelve play. Their wins are against Northern Iowa, barely in triple overtime. Um, they beat University of Louisiana Monroe seventy-two to twenty, so that doesn't count. They beat TCU. Uh, 49 to 24, which I think is their best win. Uh, and then they just this last week beat West Virginia 38 to 14. But before I get to that, they did lose to Iowa in week two, 18 to 17 at home. And then they lost at Baylor 23 to 21. And I believe that was after they were down 20 to nothing. Mm-hmm. And they came back and, and just about won it. But the West Virginia game, talking about who. Who is very good? Who's not? We're not really sure yet. They they went to um, West Virginia, came to Ames, and ended up playing their backup quarterback after the first series. So Kendall um, Kendall went down in the first series with a pretty rough hit, and he didn't return and was replaced by a backup uh, Jack Allison. So. Even with that in mind, you think, okay, well, well, this was in Morgantown. I'm sorry, guys. You think, all right, well, if Iowa State's pretty good, they're they're going to just take care of the of the Mountaineers. And you know, a score of 38 to 14, final score sounds like that's what they did, but it was tied at halftime. Iowa State didn't score in the first quarter, so it was 14 all at halftime. They only scored seven in the third. So heading into the fourth quarter, against what some people think is the worst team this side of Kansas in the big 12, uh, they were ahead 21 to 14 going into the fourth quarter against a backup quarterback who got thrown in, in the first series. So I'm not really sure who the heck Iowa state is either. No. And, and we, we were talking about that. Um, Brock Purdy being their, their leading rusher. Uh, he's, yeah, up he's, until last week, up I until think. last week, he dropped yeah. down to third, and they may have found the, the running back they want to go with, Brees Hall. Yeah, um, true freshman. Of his 216 yards on the season, 130 of them came last week. Um, Johnny Lang is is the second uh, runner behind him, 43 carries for 193 yards. Um, so the, their rushing attack, it. I think I heard that they went with at least four different car- ball carriers this past week, but it seems like they probably found their guy in Brees Hall. Um, Brock Purdy still going to be rushing it a little bit. Yeah, he has 51 attempts on the year, 188 uh, yards. For 3.7 yards per carry, so not great. No, not great, but he he does end up he having have to a, a move 40, around with it a lot. He does have a 44-yard gain. And, you know, at first I was looking at Purdy's stats and thought – Oh, he's only he's only thrown for eleven touchdowns. Uh, well, that's pretty pedestrian. And then guess what? <laughs> Your Texas Tech Red Raiders have only thrown for eleven touchdowns. Bowman has six, and Duffy has five. For some reason, that seemed like a really low number to me. And maybe it is. I kind of well, think it is a low number. Also, when you think about that, they've had a game where they've scored seventy points. Texas yeah. Tech hasn't done that. Oh no! They had nearly seventy scored on them, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, so that that feels a bit low. 
uh, Brees Hall, three touchdowns. The running back, r- rushing touchdowns, Johnny Long. Lang, three rushing touchdowns. Brock Purdy, six rushing touchdowns. Yeah. They have 14 rushing touchdowns in the year uh, to the 13 passing, which includes Deshante Jones throwing a touchdown as a wide receiver and Real Mitchell, who's throwing a touchdown. His one completion on the year is a touchdown. Well, he's kind of like uh He's like a backup. Oh, okay. But he's, he's only thrown two attempts. So Brock Purdy's taken every snap outside of three. Man, even in that 72... Well, maybe they handed off the ball. Maybe they handed off. That's true. In that Louisiana Monroe game. Of the 205 pass attempts on the season, Brock Purdy has 201. Which doesn't add up to 205, but... Well, yeah, going off what the ESPN stats say. Right, that's that's all we've got. There's one more attempt missing somewhere. There is. And, and, you know, Deshante Jones, as you mentioned, he's their top guy, 37 receptions. Um, But he's only hauled in one touchdown. Uh, Tariq Milton. He's thrown one for 51 yards. He has. <laughs> Tariq Milton, uh, he's had, he has 19 receptions, uh, two touchdowns. Both of those are wide receivers. Uh, LaMichael Pedway, wide receiver, 21 receptions, 254 touchdowns, three. Nope. <laughs> 254. 254 yards, three touchdowns. <laughs> but So maybe he gets you know looked at more in the red zone. And then Charlie Kohler, their tight end, who – could kind of wreak some havoc across the middle against our guys. Um, he has 23 receptions, 319 yards, two TDs, and someone that's just really seems to have been used quite a bit in this offense. Uh, he's a big guy too, 6'6", 252. He's out of Norman. Yeah, he's Oklahoma boy. And he, you know, whoever ends up having to tackle him is going to have their work cut out for him because he will be a part of this offense. But I'm, you know, I'm I'm just not super offensively. I, I know Purdy is Purdy's a talented guy. He doesn't have like we've talked about several times. He doesn't have the same, uh, you know, doesn't have a Montgomery there. But maybe they found their guy with Hall now. Who, who knows? Uh, it was just one game. You kind of hate to take too much off of that. Um, but he doesn't have Jakeem Butler. He doesn't have. Hakeem Butler. Hakeem Butler, sorry. <laughs> I was like, we, we, we said Jakeem. I was like, Jakeem Grant? Nope, my bad. <laughs> he doesn't have Hakeem Butler. And th- those have, those guys have really kind of limited this offense some, uh, adjusting to those, filling those holes. But he is a talented guy. He's very mobile. Tech has managed mobile quarterbacks this year somehow for the most part. And I would even throw Brewer in as one of those because he, he can move around and get outside the pocket. But he wasn't getting by brooks very easily on saturday brooks i mean my goodness that dude flies he's everywhere yes and if it's not him like if he's not the first guy there then it's rico jeffers and brooks is like a step behind him sure and then douglas coleman yes <laughs> or or whoever's playing the the raider um safety position because when it was thomas leggett it was like brooks 1a thomas leggett 1b um so I, I think offensively they're they're no joke, but I think this is a good matchup for Texas Tech. They're they're fairly balanced. Sure, there's not anybody offensively that you say, "Holy crap, we have to contain him." Otherwise, he's gonna like he can beat us. I mean, outside of like looking at Brock Purdy, like 
Yeah. But but if you say you need to contain a quarterback, that's like, well, okay, the offense runs to the quarterback, right? Sure. <laughs> I mean, for the vast goal majority number of teams, one every like, week, except for maybe like Wisconsin, like okay, we have to stop Jonathan Taylor, but that's one unrealistic. Two, it's Brock Purdy. Like it's not like you're talking about Jalen Hurts, and even then, Jalen Hurts has a ridiculous amount of talent around him. Right. I I don't know what the game plan would be, except you you rely on your front five, six, whatever you have up there to force their running to go horizontal um, because there's not like a super talented guy that you're worried about, like that scares you. Um, and your front, especially your defensive line, has been really disruptive the past few weeks. They've done a really good job of containing um, skill players, especially early on in the game. Um, and then you just let your, your, your back – you're, you know, you let Douglas Coleman back back there place center field and says, I dare you to throw it. Yeah. Because Coleman's going to come away with a pick or two. <laughs> you never know. Because this is what he does. You know, leads the country in interceptions. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for for the line. Oh, it's uh, I, Iowa State's favorite at minus seven. Is that the line you're looking for? A full touchdown. Yeah, that's garbage. Um, because I, before we get into into prediction, I, I want to have a line to go off of. But if it's minus seven, gosh, where's that? So if it's minus seven, I'm 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 gonna before I give like official score predictions, I'm gonna take Texas Tech to cover. I'm gonna take Tech to win this game. Oh, um, oh, okay, okay. Just just throw that out there. I don't think. Anything that Iowa State does offensively scares you. Your defense is pretty good. Um, I think your offense is set up better this year than it has been in the past few years where their defense has really given you troubles. So I think you've got a better shot. It's going to be a, another low-scoring low game like you saw this past weekend against Baylor before it went to overtime. Low, mid-20s probably. I think if you get to 24 points, you probably have a pretty good feeling of winning this game. Um so the middle of the of the defense, like in front of the safeties, um, is going to be wh- where you, you can pick up some yards. The other thing that, that you haven't been able to do um, against this defense previous years is to run the ball very well because you just didn't have the, the guys to do it. I think whether it's Armand Shine or Sir Roderick Thompson, like you've got the guys to – to keep them honest and you know keep them from dropping eight into coverage because if if they're able to contain your run with three guys and drop eight into coverage jet duffy's going to throw some interceptions yeah every quarterback's going to throw interceptions into eight eight man coverage because it's just it's impossible like but, the eight on five number is not ever going to work <laughs> in your favor well and like you said that we have the the tools and the guys that have the ability to keep them honest on that. We our offensive line is playing well enough to get the running game going. I think Tech's still averaging what was it four point nine yards per carry. Mm-hmm. It was just right at five yards per carry still, even after the Baylor game where it dropped a little bit. Uh, Thompson, of course, played excellent that game. Twenty twenty four or twenty eight carries. I can't remember, but he had his twenty eight for one fifty something. Yeah, he he really had a great game and. If you get him going or shine, you're going to be in great shape. 
our, our receiving core has really stepped up. Um, you know, RJ was fantastic last week. I'd love to see him kind of break out some more. The, the, those outside screens were just, they were working. They were. And, you know, Vasher caught some amazing passes. Uh, you know, Rigdon kind of, he didn't get involved as much this last week. And I think that was because they tried to run those kind of jet sweeps or whatever those were that never really worked out. I mean, that's not his fault. Uh, but I'd like to see him get back in the game a little bit. I think Mannix has been kind of off on on some uh, catching stuff. And, you know, you've got two tight ends with Thompson and Kuntz who were they're, – they're weapons. And they can be used in the middle of the field. And they're, we're finally seeing that these last two weeks. Uh, I know that Iowa State has a good defense. They have a defensive-minded coach with Campbell. This is going to be another, you know, another Matt – Matt matchup, Matterday, two weeks in a row. Maybe just maybe we just say matchup with two T's. Matchup, nice. Yeah, that would kind of work out. Uh, so it'll. I'm, I'm with you. You know, you know, Iowa State's favored minus seven. I'm definitely going to take Tech in the points in this, and um, you know, I, I can tell you one other thing. If you wanted to put your money where your mouth was. Uh, you could go to my bookie and put a little money on this game. And regardless whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season. With pro football, college football, and the MLB playoffs in full swing, um, hockey around the corner, NBA basketball getting going, now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in on the action. If you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR, C-H-A-I-R, to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR to double your cash. Yeah, so visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. So if I were to go to mybookie.ag today. Which is where I'm looking at. You're right. It was uh, Iowa State minus seven. I would put money on the Red Raiders, and I'm, I'm with you this week for the first time since the UTEP game. I'm picking Tech to win. Uh, I've got Tech winning 31-27. I'm a little more optimistic on Tech's ability to score. Um, it, I'm, I'm doing a lot of math based off of the intangibles. Uh, so we talked earlier on in the podcast about how disappointing it was and how the game ended double overtime against Baylor. You felt like it really slipped away from you. Some of it was completely out of your hands. A lot of it wasn't. A lot of it was was stuff that you could have executed better or done a better job. Um, maybe not playing such soft, cushiony prevent defense for that last drive. Hey, newsflash, prevent defense never actually works. No, and, and I kind of get doing it because... You, all they needed to do was get in a field goal range. But anyway, okay, all right. I'm just, I'm just gonna <laughs> ignore that. Uh, so my score was 31-27. I, I think that Tech can can score a little bit more on them. Um, I, I think that Iowa State couldn't struggle this game. And to go back to where I was originally going before I got stuck on prevent defense, the the way I see this going is. You saw the crowd that showed up for an 11 a.m. game after 
laying an egg in Norman the week before or two weeks before. Uh, you know, imagine the crowd this week. There's going to be a good crowd. It's 11 a.m. game. Who cares? Uh, it's it's a great opponent. It's an opponent you haven't beaten at home in a while. It's homecoming. It's also an opponent that hasn't lost in October in three years. Well, let's be that team. Let's do it. Let's do it. I I just I feel good about this one, which is always always a ripe recipe for uh, disappointment and disaster in my world. But I think there's some of those intangibles there. The team's going to be fired up. The coaching staff is going to be fired up because they were so close to having a victory. They were so close to being four and two heading into homecoming and they know it. And there were ways they could have done things differently to have made that happen. So I think with all of that said, and just how the, the teams are just going to match up. I think tech walks away 31, 27 in a, in a one that's going to be uh kind of tough to watch. It's going to be one of those where you're just, something's going to break one way and then break the other. And you'll just feel like, Oh man, a seven point lead. This is insurmountable. So I, I think the game will be about as close as you were saying. I, I see it being a little lower scoring. Um, I do like that 24 point range. It may be a race to 24 and I may eat these words later and like it'd be a absolute shootout. I don't see it happening that way with these defenses, but I think I've got Texas Tech winning 24-21. It's um, right in line with about what you did last week against Baylor on the road. I think you're a better home team. Um, Brock Purdy, stats-wise, is a little bit better than, than Charlie Brewer, but he doesn't have as much around him that Brewer does. Um, so, of course, everything more, more of the offense was going to go through Purdy than it would go through Brewer, um, being that he's pretty much the single dimension of the offense. You may have a better shot at slowing him down um, to the tune of just the three touchdowns on the day. Um, I mean, they're identical in touchdowns and interceptions. They both have 11 touchdowns to three interceptions. I do think Purdy probably walks away with conservatively just one more interception to that total. Yeah. Um, because it, it just feels like if this defense doesn't force a, an interception, that something went wrong because of... It's getting that way. We're kind of like getting spoiled what, to it. What Keith Patterson and, and Coach Wells said, when it starts, because it, it, it took a while for the turnovers to start the season, when it starts, they're going to come in bunches. Yeah. And it's been like an avalanche. I I, I almost rolled my eyes at that. I thought, really? Is, okay. that, is that really how that works? But then it, it's, come, it's come to It's come to fruition, fruition yeah, for yeah. sure. I, it was the... Arizona's Arizona game was, mm-hmm. I think, when was Tech, the first interception they broke the seal, and, and they've broken the seal on uh, not Khalil Tate, but on the season they, they they broke the seal on Texas Tech turnovers. Then they forced Jalen Hurts' first interception. They yep. forced uh, Charlie Brewer's first interception. That's right. Um, they forced Spencer Sanders to throw three in a game. Fumble twice. Fumble <laughs> twice. They forced Brewer to throw three in a game. Um. Just kind of fantastic to average you, three turnovers Doug, or three interceptions. Yeah, and and Doug Coleman, he just he can read your mind. You just got to be careful. <laughs> that man can read your mind. Man, he's he's a great athlete. Just uh, and then the, the the plays he makes after he catches it, it's great that we have six to compare to. 
but he makes some great plays after he after he makes those catches and gets down mm-hmm. the field. No, I I did hear this talk and I was like, well, it's a little early for that. I'm talking about the single season record for interceptions in a year. It's like from 1932. The dude had 11. Oh my gosh! It's like Coleman's got a ways to go still. Yeah, to, that to would, get there. That would really be something. <laughs> but 11 interceptions in 1932, like. This that dude must probably be, half the passes. Must have been catching everything that went in the air. <laughs> is, is my thought. Um, Michael won't be there this weekend for countdown to kickoff, but I will be there with Rob Bro, Carson Robinson, and Tucker Lawrence. You can catch us on Talk thirteen forty two hours to kickoff. Two hours prior to kickoff, uh, so nine to eleven. I will probably have to bounce at about ten. Um, you can listen to us on 1340 AM streaming online um, on the website at kkam.com or through the mobile app, Talk 1340. Uh, do that on your phone or smart speaker. Two more bits of, of football news before we move on. Yeah, one of them I'm really excited about. And it's not about the newest football commit. No, it's about <laughs> <laughs> it's about our guy. It's about a, a Mr. A Mr. Cliff Kingsbury, who I linked to the wrong game in here. I've got to fix it. Uh, they beat the Falcons 34 to 33 this weekend. Uh, the Falcons, of course, were one and four at the time. Excuse me. <laughs> one and four at the time. So, you know, it's, it's a really big win. But uh, our guy. Our guy. Our guy is is still undefeated as an NFL coach in October has not lost a game ever in October as an NFL coach. I wish he was undefeated at Texas tech in October. And I'd take November more importantly, November <laughs> I would take November. Um, all right. So that was all I had on that. And then 2021 quarterback recruit out of Eastland, Texas, which is right off of I 20 between here and is it, just before Abilene, I believe. No, just it's, past it's east of Abilene. I'm not being funny. It's east of Abilene. It, it, it is. It's because it's past. It just passed Cisco, and Cisco's. So it's like two towns east of Abilene, off of I-20. Eastland, Texas quarterback Baron Morton, four-star recruit, committed to Texas Tech this weekend. Great start to that 2021 recruiting class. Um, your 2020 recruiting class. If you haven't been keeping up with that, it's surprisingly full. Despite you, you did lose a, a commit this past weekend. Um, defensive end Clinton Anakwaru. I'm probably butchering that main name off of memory. Um, he de- decommitted, but your class has 17 or 18 commits for this upcoming season. It's always good to start your class with a quarterback. They always they send they tend to turn around and help recruit the rest of the class for you. Sure, yeah. And it's always great to build around a talented guy like Baron Morton. And I think the decommit, uh, if I read correctly, is b- before, before the game for yeah, sure. Yeah. So you know, let's let's not dog the guy on anything like something about the the game changed his mind or whatever. It was probably completely independent of anything uh, that we would ever know of. So um, no need to go down that road if anybody was heading there. All right. Let's talk about basketball for a second. Yeah. For just a few seconds. There was an exhibition, charity exhibition game in El Paso. Texas Tech did fall to UTEP 70 to 60. Um, 
I don't know if this was a, I don't even know how to, how to say it. If, if the fan that said this was saying, sorry, what he said was, I bet that beer didn't even want to win this game being that it was a charity exhibition game that would support the El Paso shooting victims, the victims right. of the El Paso shooting. Um, if you know Chris Beard, he wants to win every game. Which is where I was like, I don't <laughs> know if I believe that. Right. It is an exhibition game. Does not count on the 2019-2020 record. Um, we don't have a box score, so we can't tell if like Avery Benson played 38 minutes. Well, that, that's what was strange was... Um, he, he did sub in super early in the game, I saw. it's He did. He was super early, and he almost immediately took a charge. That's, <laughs> that's our boy. Because I got to listen to part of it uh, while we were preparing for the our instant reaction pod. I wanted nothing to do with sports at that moment. Oh man, I, I wanted something to do with a different sport. I was <laughs> totally, I was all in. I was, I logged onto Twitter and I had the computer out and was like, okay, well we're about to get started on instant reaction. I thought, Oh man, well hacks is he's, he's broadcasting this right now. Well, let me listen to that. So I listened to part of it. Uh, I think I listened to it a little bit later. I don't think Moretti hit a shot till nine minutes left in the game or it was either, I may get I may have my nines backwards, but it was either nine minutes into the second half or nine minutes left in the game. So that's just kind of how it went. The the only write-ups I could find were from El Paso News. Uh it's completely disappeared off of the Texas Tech website. The the schedule no longer has it. There's no there was no write-up for <laughs> it no afterwards. It, it. It, there's a preview for it, but other than that, it's like it never happened. Um so I wonder if that would have been a little bit different had Tech won. But anyway, uh, Red Raiders shot... This is from the El Paso Times because it's the, the best I could find. Red Raiders shot 32% from the floor, 28% from three-point range, turned the ball over 15 times as UTEP pulled away down the stretch of a game. So all those are significantly lower than last season, except your, your turnovers were higher. You were shooting in the 40s, mid to upper 40s, from the field, mid to mid thirties from three. And I think there were line for turnovers. I said was 10. I think they were saying like, if you had more than 10 turnovers, like something was going wrong. Yeah. Well, it, the, you know, beard goes on to say this, uh, regarding that UTEP closed the game on a 42 to 28 run. He said the tougher team pulled away in the second half. And that was UTEP. He said a lot of things were just, not our kind of discipline tonight. We had a lot of young players, a lot of new players. That's not an excuse. Just the reality of a team trying to play a game after nine practices. And this is what's crazy. Well, Tech, I mean, that, that number of practices alone is crazy. Like this team is playing a game of, of having played, having participated in nine practices. I mean, both teams. That's just single-digit practices. Both teams going well, at it. And I, I was given a little more benefit of the doubt to Texas Tech because of all the new players the number of new faces on the team being they've only been together for nine practices. Um, I, I don't know about the returning talent for UTEP, but you were, you were saying something, Michael. Well, just, I, I want to point this out. Tech's defense. Uh, they say that Tech's defense overwhelmed UTEP for almost 30 minutes as it forced the minors into 21 turnovers before the midpoint of the second half, but forced only one the rest of the way. So they were leading tech was leading 35 to 28 until uh, Daryl Edwards exploded for 24 points in 28 minutes in his minor debut. So it was still, 
I mean, it was a good game. I really wish we would have been able to watch it or if I could have just sat there and listened to it the whole time. Um, but I really have no idea how everything went. It does say that Kyler Edwards led Tech with 13 points and Jemias Ramsey had 12. Yeah. But there's really not not a I'm, lot of stats floating around out there. And I dug around. I tried to find some to, to share with you guys. Uh, but apparently it was hard to do. Now, the, the stat broadcast that was on that you could have loaded up while you're listening to the game was excellent. You know, it had all the stats you could want. And if I'd have been knowing, if I'd have known how difficult it was going to be to find them, I would have screenshotted some of that stuff. It's not even still there. I can't find, like I said, the game link disappeared. <laughs> Everything disappeared. So we, we can look for it at some point. Anyway, I don't, obviously I don't think this is anything for tech to worry about. I think it was a competitive fun game that I hope benefited as many people as possible. And I'm also not dismissing the fact that UTEP played really well and they may have a, they have found a, um, a really good score with Daryl Edwards. Who knows? He may take that 24 points he made in those 28 minutes and build that off for the rest of the year and help UTEP succeed. So let's not take anything away from them and just point out the fact that I think, Beard's still trying to figure out his roster, and it was a game in October that was sounded like it was super exciting and super fun, and I wish I could have watched it, despite the outcome. I did find a stat sheet. Oh, that's awesome. And I sent it to you. Um, okay. Kyler Edwards had 13 points. You said that Jemias Ramsey had 12. TJ Holyfield had four. Davide Moretti had eight. Chris Clark had nine. Clarence Nadolny had two. Andre Savrasov had seven, Avery Brinson one, Russell Chewa four. Um, so Avery Benson played seventeen minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Man, man, this is great. I wish I'd have found this. Davide Moretti and Jamias Ramsey both had thirty-four minutes. Um, Kyler Edwards played thirty-seven. He never came out. Yeah, see, so well, that's facetious. Um, hyperbolic. He came out for three minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Davide Moretti kind of goes back to what I think I heard correctly was he, he was one for five from the field. Mm-hmm. That was it. You were four from 15 from three in the first half. So your shooting percentage was 30%. You, you shot a lot better in the second half. You took fewer shots though. You were one for four for, from three. Um, 15 to 24 from the free throw line. So you got to the line a bunch in the second half. Yeah. Um, only finished the game at 66% from the free throw line. Chris Clark played 28 minutes, which I like to see. I think he might be my new guy. No, he's mine. Oh, man, you claimed him? Okay. Well, no, I, no, he and Jemias Ramsey, I think, are, are guys I'm, I'm looking forward to being being big factors in this year's team. Where they, they play a lot of minutes and really – uh, physical brand of basketball yes. that I'm looking for. Up and to. down the court, rebounding, They're long individuals. So, yeah, uh, how fun. That was so cool that Tech got to play basketball early. We got to see, well, we got to read and learn a little bit about it later. Um, and then I think their first game is the first week of November. It's like middle of November, and I can't remember who said it, but they were like, it was a, a national media type that that covers college basketball. It's like we, as a Texas Tech fan, you hope 
come March, they're not going to be a bubble team because their non-conference schedule is trash. It's rough. But they do play Louisville. They do play Kentucky. Sure. But everything everything else is like... But about everything else is pretty sacred rough. Sacred Heart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, St. That's, Mary's School for the Blind. That's hard to, uh, that's hard to argue, really. Uh, but yeah, the first game of the year, and I think it's actually... I don't think this is an exhibition. I think it's an actual game. Uh, Eastern Illinois, November 5th. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Bethune-Cookman, Houston Baptist, Tennessee State, Long Island, Iowa. And then that's part of the Las Vegas tournament. So you've got Iowa, or and then you play San Diego State or Creighton. So kind of decent there, decent competition. DePaul, Louisville, Southern Mississippi, UTRGV, CSU Bakersfield. And then, um, yeah, eventually you're, the Big 12 SEC Challenge on January 25th is Kentucky. So you're right. Uh, just kind of have to depend on the Big 12 being a good league again this year, which it it, it will. should be. It will be. I mean, Oklahoma State's going to be better. They've got to be. One. Baylor's going to be better. But, yeah, I think Oklahoma State's going to be better too and, and uh, probably TCU. You're, you're going to have some Oklahoma's always been solid under Juan Kruger. Sure. Yeah. Anyways. Iowa State's all you know they've been tough for several years. West Virginia they'll figure that out too. They beat this team last year in the <laughs> Big Twelve tournament. So, all right, let's get to your questions. Yes, let's do it. Now, are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I'm Ron Burgundy. Damn it! Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! All right. So before we jump into Twitter, got a couple here in the notes document. Cooper Burnett sure looks like a hashtag hammer that under type of week to me. Also, which do y'all think is the bigger key determining factor? Turnover battle or red zone efficiency? Michael, you, you found some stats here. Yes. Let's, uh, let's talk about both of these these um, these measures here. Turnover battle. Um, Texas Tech is tied for 16th in turnover margin on the year at plus four. Iowa State tied 61st at even or at zero. Right, and I think I read Seth today say something about how they forced seven fumbles, but I don't know if they recovered any of them. Reminds me of that TCU game a few years ago. It does. Where you uh, did force like five fumbles and only recovered one. Yeah, uh, Iowa State's, uh, they've they've committed eight turnovers and they've gathered eight turnovers. So they're, they're pretty even there. And then to counter that, as far as kind of trying to figure out which is the bigger key or determining factor, TTU is 38th in the country in red zone offense, which surprised me, 24 for 27. They've only got into the red zone three times this year and not scored. And two of them were this past weekend. Right. And one of them was that fake field goal in Arizona. That's got to be it, right? Those yeah. are the three. Yep. It was the fake field goal in Arizona. And then we had the interception and a fumble. Um, and then so they're both one of the turnovers. ones this week felt like it was a red zone, but the ball was no. on the 21. The interception was on the 21-yard line. You're right. You're right. It was a uh, – so it felt like there were three. Yeah, there was a there was a uh, one of them. You just went for it on fourth down. Um, gosh, I can't remember the the third one from this week 
or the second one. Anyway, uh, Iowa State, on the other hand, is fifth in the country in red zone offense, 27 out of 28. There's only been one trip to the red zone that they have not scored in some form or fashion. Now, I didn't break it down. You know, they did have it broken down, whether it was a passing or rushing touchdown or a field goal or whatever. But I kind of think, man, bigger key or determining factor. I could say I... I think Whatever keeping, you're going to say, I'm going to say the opposite. Okay. So. <laughs> I'm going to say keeping <laughs> Iowa State out of the red zone as best you can. I think that's the bigger key or the, the you know, out of, out of these two options. Sure. Because if, if they're almost automatic in the red zone, no matter whether just it's field goal. There. Yeah. Just, and that's what uh, Tech did so well against Oklahoma State, I think. Because Oklahoma State was, they were four for five once they got in there, but they just didn't get in there very much. And I'm going to say, you just limit their number of possessions, the opportunities they have to get at the red zone. You force them to some turnovers. You you stay positive in the, in the turnover margin. Let's, let's let's say it that way because if you force turnovers, but Duffy is and the offense are turning the ball over as often or more often than Iowa State is, it's not helping you too much. Right. But no, I I, I was going to pick the, the turnover margin anyways. Um, I think it's because they're so good in the red zone and you're saying, well, don't let them get there. My don't let them get there is just take the ball from them. Just <laughs> take their ball and go home. Yeah. Um, His, so yeah, the, uh, on the over under. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I adjust my point to a little from the earlier, uh, when I had it in the document, I'm down to, is that 45 points? Yeah. On the over under. I, I, I didn't see an over under on the, on the, the sheet yet it's it's 56 is what i've seen 56 yeah so i, I was i was gonna that's 11 under that's, that's, that's a pretty big under yeah i mean that's that does go with cooper's idea of hashtag hammer the under i on the other hand cooper am just barely on the over i think i've got 58 total points in my score so now i'm really questioning it but i'm still i'm gonna stick with it I've, stick. I've already decided with it but yeah the hammer the under that does not sound like a bad idea this week at all to me. So Tyler Timmons is up next. I'm not exactly sure the first, what he means by the first part of this question. He asks, how do we feel about tech getting six points spread? I think it ended up at seven Tyler. That's what we're seeing right now. Anyway. Okay. That makes sense. But that that's, I'm pretty sure that's what he means. That feels again, based on all the, all that, what we've said so far, uh, feels like a lot. Cause we, we've both picked Texas tech to win this game. Um, a close game for sure, but but six points seven now feels like a lot. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Even if I hadn't picked Tech to win, I would have take I would have picked Tech to cover. Sorry, I, I got back on Twitter. and I was distracted by another <laughs> Baylor fan thinking they would have won the game in regulation. <sighs> Try to get off that get off that sauce, man. Get off that Twitter sauce. I gotta I gotta. My my Twitter mentions because I I engaged Your in Minchies. David Smoke today, just a cesspool like this gif. My goodness, oh yeah, the, it's, the baby, it's, it's the horrific. weird baby looking thing. Yeah, um, I'm I'm wading through this to get to some of our questions. Well, the second half of Tyler's question was, uh, "What's your expectations for the crowd on Saturday?" And I I kind of went into that a little bit. I I'm just I'm really optimistic, thinking that. 
well, let me look up the weather one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the 11 a.m. game against Oklahoma State, a lot of people are really worried about that, especially after the performance in Norman. But there really was a good crowd there. They stayed for the most part. They apparently thought that Tech had it wrapped up at 45-21 where us olds knew better. Um, <laughs> that or the, you, or they you were never like, leave <laughs> like it's that. It's too hot. Yeah, yeah, and it was hot. But, you know, Saturday here in Lubbock, you got a high of 77, low of 53. It's going to be sunny all day, 0% chance. I mean, it, it should be a perfect day for it. And, yeah, I know that 77 is going to feel like 87 or 90, depending on still where gonna, you are down yeah, there. It's still going to feel pretty warm in the sun. Yeah, I'm not I'm not uh, ignoring that. But, man, I just think it's going to be an even better day for football than when Oklahoma State came to town. And uh, I – I just expect a good crowd. Don't let me down, Tech fans. I'll be out of town this week. Sorry. I, I would expect a good crowd a few minutes into the first quarter until about halftime. And I, I don't I don't know what's going to change that. Um, but I'm going to go back to my, my season-long meme here. Just prove me wrong. We need to get Taco Casa involved. That might, that might get some butts back in seats. Get some get some free tacos, some super burritos. Super burritos. Okay, Red Red Reset Man asks um, an interesting question. I'm not really sure, like, because like, if we answer this, we're, we're going to be a bad guy. Yeah, I know. I know. I thought this too. What game does the tech collapse happen? Every year we have one game we absolutely crap the bet. I'm hoping it's not Iowa State because they seem to have our number the last couple of years. I've got a way around it. I've got a way around answering it, and then I also have a way of answering it. I'm hoping it was in Norman. I'm hoping that was it. Despite the fact that OU is, you know, a, a college playoff team, unless something crazy, unless they crap the bed uh, against somebody. But I'm hoping that's it. But then if I really have to answer this question, things could, could get weird in Morgantown. Yep. that That's where I would go with that. If there's going to be a game where Tech comes out and they're, they're off and they're just not things aren't clicking and I could see it happening there. I if I have to pick one, that's the one I'd pick. Two options for me. It's either this weekend against Iowa State. I'm too I am I am scarily confident this weekend. It's it's going to hurt if it doesn't turn well, out. Well, and here's the thing. I, I'm, so I'm looking at the rest of the schedule. I'm like, which of the games on the schedule should you feel pretty confident in winning but would still be fairly upset about losing? And I'm like, well, Iowa State, TCU, Kansas State, <laughs> West Virginia. Like any of those four, I could see it happening because there's enough talent there that they could reach up and and bite you. Um, you've not played very well against any of those teams. You beat of those four. You beat only beat TCU recently. Um, so I, I, it could be any of those, and I don't really have a good feeling on, on it being any one any one of those. I'm with you. I'm hoping we got that kind of out of our our system. A couple weeks ago in Norman, sure. Like, yeah. oh, if, if we're gonna have a bad day, let's have it <laughs> against the team we're probably gonna get blown out by yeah, anyways. Let's have it against the number four team in the country. Um, 
I'm also kind of being a little hopeful and optimistic that David Yost can figure out this defense better than Cliff Kingsbury could, which saying that out loud makes me sound (laughs) a little too optimistic because of how well we, we thought of Cliff Kingsbury as an offensive coordinator and he could never see him to figure out, figure this defense. He was owing three against Matt Campbell. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. We got any other questions pop up through there? Sorry. I, I got distracted by reading and then trying to load ESPN because the app isn't loading for me. Why don't they do things the way we want them to do them? I don't know. Gosh, there's so many Baylor people in my engines right now. See, no, see, that's why no, you get out that's enough. <laughs> um, real quick, let's do a going yard update. Okay, what do you got? So I I overseeded a few weeks ago the our, our off week, the Texas Tech off week, the game before the week before we played Oklahoma. I got the first mow on it since then, so it had gone three weeks without a mow, waiting for the seed to germinate and grow back in. Um, that's all looking really well. It's working really well. The grass is green. It's even when I had to cut it real short, it got a little, little iffy there. Mm. Um, because I had to leave it for three weeks. Um, it looks good though. So cool season yards, you know that you should probably be overseeding. Um, anybody else, if you did overseed and it's been long enough where you could mow it a couple of times or those with warm season grass like Bermuda, it's time to put down your fall pre-emergence. Okay. So your pre-emergent will keep any of the winter or early spring weeds from popping up. So if you put it down now, you won't get a lot of weeds in the spring. Because once you once you get to the spring, it's going to be too late for that. You put a pre-emergent down in the spring, it'll cover you throughout the spring, summer, end of the fall. So, so pre-emergent now. Pre-emergent now. Okay. Um, and just follow the directions. Whatever, whatever one you pick up, whether it's prodiamine, dithia pier, and if you diphtheria, <laughs> dithia pier. Anyways, some, is that, is that some of those Mike have Tyson doing magic. No, it's not. Some of those have um like max yearly rates to put down so just be careful like if you've done some of this before make sure you're you're, you're keeping track of that especially if, if you have a lawn service oh yeah you wouldn't want to do some of that stuff twice no because or thrice like, or whatever whatever the limit is they have like yearly limits that you need to be paying attention to all right that's what i that's what i've got for going yard um pay attention to the the instructions on the bag um of your diphtheria bag, D- dithiapir or dithiapir, depending on how you want to pronounce it. You can make dith rabbit dithiapir. Oh my dear. <laughs> okay. And because I can't work my computer, and it's it's being weird tonight. We're gonna we're gonna do our. Um, what what do we learn? What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right, Michael, what did we learn? I learned that judging barbecue is hard work. Okay, so on the way over here, I, I was thinking about when I got mad on the pregame show. Yeah, you banged, I, I you banged the table. I couldn't remember what it was. I was like, was it about a game? No, it was about this. It and was, as soon as you started talking about it, I was like, dang it, we're talking about He's, he's fired back up again. He, he was like a barbecue He's judging. like that guy in Anchorman where just hammering who typed the question in the teleprompter. and just Bang. Banging on the table. 
Sorry, sorry, Rob, bro. Sorry, Carson. Hopefully, there's not a big dent. But anyway, sorry, listeners. I had to deal with that on the radio with their their phones through a through a connection. I was able to uh, acquire <laughs> passage <laughs> through the, the behind the steel curtain to get to, to judge some barbecue at the Hub City Barbecue Cook Off this past Thursday. It was a blast. It was so fun. Uh, I ate so much food. It was one of those things you don't realize how much you were eating. And I was really trying not to overdo it. But the desserts were last. And so I thought, well, I've done so well all day. I'm going to have too much dessert. And it turns out I probably ate way more brisket than I, than I should have, too. So anyway. Uh, He's just rubbing it in, guys. Just <laughs> rubbing it in. It was, it was a lot of fun. I, I came home and immediately laid down for like an hour. Because I was worried. Because it was hard work <laughs> was hard eating work. barbecue. No, no, I was, uh, I, I was, uh, I was worried I'd eaten too much barbecue. But the, they had a category that was the quote mystery meat, and so this is the thing I wanted to share. And if y'all listen to the countdown, sorry, you, you got to hear it there too. But the mystery meat this year was bacon, and apparently they reveal it, you know, a night before or something. So everybody was they made whatever they wanted to with bacon. And that was one of the categories. Um, and just for disclosure, the other categories were bloody Mary's beans, pork ribs, brisket, and dessert. So this other, this uh, mystery meat category was bacon. And the main thing I wanted to talk about was funnel cake bacon, which was a thing that I had, which I still think about Almost a week later, I've thought about it at least once or twice every day. It's just lightly battered in what had to have been funnel cake batter, fried, and then sprinkled with powdered sugar. Magnificent. I have no idea if it won or not, because that's what that was the strange thing about it is, especially in that category, you would you would kind of need to list what you had made. Um, when because when the winners came out in the newspaper the next day, it was just. Well, this team won the mystery meat category, but she didn't know what they made. So I would be very disappointed to find out that the funnel cake and as I, as I called it, didn't make the top three, but who knows? Maybe they, maybe they didn't make it. There must, they might've been something better. So I know as a, an attendee of the event of the event, we were walking around looking for, for tags and trophies of, of teams that had won, um, Turns out showing up between 6 and 6.30 was too late. Oh, no. Most everything was gone by the time we got there, an hour into the event, which doesn't make any sense. The event was really well attended. I, I will say that. Like, there were a ton of people when we got there. Yeah, even because I, I left a little after 3, and that was on a Thursday. You know, it's during work, a work day. I took a day off of work to do this. I don't want to hear um, it, man. <laughs> but the... There, it's not like there was a ton of people there, but there were a lot of, I mean, most people there were probably cooking or doing something, but there were a lot of people roaming around. It was, it was a good crowd. It felt like there were, you know, if you would have gone there at three to, to go around and sample some barbecue, you wouldn't have felt like you were the only person doing that. Yeah. Ed, sounds fantastic. And you complaining about it is just making everything worse. I don't remember complaining about it. You were just talking about how hard it was. You had to come home and rest. And oh, oh, I'm just such a, it's more like tips, 
tips for those of you who, who get into a barbecue judging position someday. You just really got to pace yourself and, uh, yeah, carve out some, carve out some <laughs> recuperation time. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's what that is. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else you want to leave us on? You want to, I, I will say that brisket was an adventure. Um, so, um, odds are, if you're listening to this, you can probably, you could probably have entered, <laughs> you could probably have entered your brisket into this contest and I would have enjoyed it just as much, if not more than several of the samples I had. Yeah. This, there were a couple of slices that I had that were like, wow, this is what you entered. Yeah. That's a thing. That's a thing you make. Yeah. That's something. <laughs> all right uh that'll do it this week for us on the 23 personal podcast be sure to check back in um at some point we'll have a post-game uh reaction you can listen to our pre-game count and kickoff show with rob bro carson robinson tucker lawrence on talk 1340 for michael i'm spencer we will see you next time